the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky team. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a great question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. And uh, as promised, we uh, we have coming up this hour uh, former Flint Mayor Karen Weaver, who is, uh, I, I don't know if you'd call it re-election when you skip a term, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> She's she's on the ballot uh, next Tuesday, and if things go as expected, um, there will be a rematch uh, in November of the last mayoral election. And uh, here to talk about that is uh, Dr. Karen Weaver. Um, and uh, Karen, it is uh, nice to hear from you again. It's nice to talk. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here again. How about that? Hey, there you go. Um, yeah. So, is do do you call it re-election, or do you have to go back and start all over, kind of? You know what? <laughs> I, I, I know it. That that was pretty good. I liked that because if, you, if we don't have some humor, we are in trouble. Uh, you can call it an election. You can election. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can bring. How about bring me back? How's that? <laughs> hey, there, there you go. But yeah, but let me, me but let me ask about that. Um, sure. The, it it seems like um, I, I'm I'm surprised you didn't look at some other openings that have come up. Like what? Uh, do you state, have Do you have some plans for me that I need to know about? <laughs> well, um, it's it's not unusual for someone who has served in a in a city office to uh, mm-hmm. want to go to Lansing, you know, and run for a state house seat or um, a state senate seat. Um, Woodrow Stanley went over yeah. to the county board and then went to Lansing, and well, so yeah, I'm you know. True. I, I just wondered so I, if any of those other offices ha- have ever been of any interest to you, or is there something specific about the mayor's office? Well, there's some, you know what, I, I, I did not look at those uh, other seats, uh, to be perfectly honest, because there's some unfinished business right here in the city of Flint, you know, that, that needs to be completed. And that's, that's what I was looking at. I said I left some things that are undone that need to be finished, you know, and, and, and that's, that's why I'm running again. There's, you know, I've told people time, I said, there's some unfinished business that needs to be taken care of. I mean, I think about it. The pipes haven't even been completed. Pipes haven't even been completed. And that was something that we were, you know, way ahead of schedule on. And for that to still be not done, that's, that's troublesome. That's troublesome, especially when, you know, there was a report out 
this past week talking about our lead levels going back up. Uh, we have homes that where the rest, we have about 2,500 homes that have not been uh, done. We've got about 8,500 restorations that haven't been completed. When I was in office, we had taken Flint out of the top five most violent cities, and not only that, out of the top 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And to be back, that, that bothers me. Um, that's a problem. We had brought economic development to the city. Uh, for the first time in 14 years, it was at City Hall. We were building that staff because of a grant through the Kellogg Foundation. And that's not there anymore. Uh, public health was dismantled. And you look at that. We were in a water crisis, which was a public health crisis, and then here comes COVID. And all of that was dismantled. dismantled. So there are things that I started that I'm going to go back and finish and then do some other things. So, so that's why it's important to me um, to, to complete some of those tasks at hand and do some other things uh, and take care of some other issues and challenges that Flint is facing. You know, you mentioned the, the pandemic, and uh, mm -hmm. Gretchen Whitmer has gotten um, her fair share of, of both praise and criticism for her handling mm -hmm. of that. Where would you have been? Would, did you think the, the governor did a pretty good job, and would you have supported and, and followed up on a local level the, the kinds of uh, actions that she was taking well, you know what? Here's what what bothers me is we already had things in place. If you if you look at what we had in place, you know we had a chief public health advisor in place. We were doing uh, health and all policies. That's what we had implemented at City Hall because of being in a public health crisis with the water. Uh, we had a chief recovery officer in place because you're looking at, you're saying, not going to be in crisis mode forever, uh, but it was around health issues, public health issues, uh, you know, physical health, mental health, uh, emotional well-being. So I, I think we were ahead of the curve just because of what we had done here. You know, I thought we were in a good place uh, really to have been, let me say it this way, we were in a good place. We had things set up uh, because who would have ever thought we would have been in a second public health crisis, you know? Nobody saw, I mean, I know I didn't see it coming, but to have had those kinds of things dismantled, I, I, I do believe, uh, put us in a bad spot. So I would have continued in the direction we were going, which was a health and all policy uh, kind of, you know, the way we were doing business at the city of Hall, city at City Hall. Uh, any decision we were making, uh, we put health was, was a priority, you know, health and being fiscally uh, responsible. And so we would have had staff in place to uh, work with what was being done, um, you know, on a statewide level. But we, I just, I, I hated to see that happen. I hated to see that not there. So... The stories, the stories aren't dominating the news like mm -hmm. they were when you were mayor about the the Flint water crisis and, and mm -hmm. the status quo. Um, but there have been stories, and and most recently some about the the civil case, the civil suit that's being okay. brought against the um, uh, the, the advisors, uh, Lan and and Veolia. Um, mm -hmm. by, is it representing four kids? Um, I, I think that that's the bulk yeah, of it. Yeah, there's something with that. 
Yeah, there is something with that. But mm-hmm. um, what, and there have been um, uh, former Governor Rick Snyder and, and several people who worked for him and or for the city uh, have pled their, their Fifth Amendment rights to not testify in that civil trial so as not to hurt criminal trials. Um, but what do you think when you see those stories? It, it, do they belong in that civil trial? Should they be testifying in that civil trial? And what's going on with the criminal trials? That's, that's, you know what, that's such a good question. What they're, is they're going on again, the criminal off trial? Again, I, exactly, you know. exactly. And, you know, that's something that we have been talking about from the very beginning, was somebody needed to be held accountable about what was going on in the city of Flint and what happened in the city of Flint. That's always been an issue and um, something I have spoken out about uh, because I do believe, as many, uh, that what happened was, was criminal. We had, you know, loss of life in the city of Flint. We had kids and, and people that were damaged uh, physically, emotionally, and for no one to be held accountable for that. I mean, that, that's just a, a blow. That's a blow to us. And one of the things I've said is it's like a, this whole thing, the whole thing, whether we talk about uh, holding people accountable, uh, you know, from the, from the legal perspective, uh, whether we talk about holding people accountable monetarily, I think Flint has not been done wrong uh, when you look at what took place here. And I think they should all be involved in that. I think they ought to be, you know, I mean, I, I get them not talking. They're going to do whatever you think is in your own best interest. But that's been the problem. It's been what's in other people's best interest and not what has been in the best interest of the residents who have been impacted in such a, a negative way by the water crisis. And so, you know, you, you keep wondering, you know, I, I was part of the lawsuit, I'm going to tell you, and I, I did not plan on being part of it, but I really wanted to go on the record. I haven't filled out the papers. I wasn't trying to get money. Uh, but I wanted to be able to go on record with the judge to say what I thought about this and where I stood with this. Um, and so I just feel like we have not been uh, done, we haven't been treated fairly, we have not been, you know, justice has not been served as far as holding people criminally accountable, and, and that was one of the things we always said is, what is going on? Because, you know, think about it, we were far in this case when I was in office, and then uh, when the new administration came in, we were told justice delayed is not justice denied, but I know so many residents feel like justice has been denied in all of those areas when you talk about the, the, the Flint water crisis. Well, here we are all these years later, Karen, mm-hmm. and, and it's still being delayed. And that's, and that's no. really the question that needs to be raised. I, 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 I have to admit, I'm less concerned or, or less interested, let me put it that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. The, um, uh, the, the civil case that's going on. Because it just seems like kind of a distraction from actually, you know, figuring out 
who's responsible and and what right. being responsible looks like. Do you have a list? Or do you have a name or a list of names that you would like to see held responsible? And what would that responsibility look like? Well, I mean, you know what? I mean, they they have a there there is a list, uh, but I think what I, I think what's so surprising uh, to me and 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 others is. Uh, Snyder's on that list, but it's for a misdemeanor. And one of the things people have said was, was well, you know, he, he says he didn't know. And I said, no, that's not accurate. Uh, how, how do you get a misdemeanor when other people have been charged with uh, manslaughter and other, you know. Uh, much other more things. serious crimes. Much certainly. more serious. Much more serious. All having said that, you know, they shared that information with him. And uh, that's, that's just, you know, it boggles your mind as to why he is on that list, but it's not a serious charge. Because when you look at it, a misdemeanor, is it and or a $1,000 fine? You know, uh, that's not much. That's not much when you look at what took place in the city of Flint. And so that, it just, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. And we were so shocked. You know, I remember when it came out, um, and they said, you know, these criminal charges have been put there. And so, you know, people are excited to hear, okay, somebody's finally going to be held accountable. And then a day or two later, we find out it's a misdemeanor for the governor. That's, that's, that's a problem. That's a problem. Well, I just, I just wonder if, what... Um what mission accomplished would look like? <laughs> That's a good question. What would I'll tell you some of the things it would look like, and I don't have the total picture, but we wanted people held accountable uh, uh, for what happened, uh, you know, with the crisis, because like I said, we know it was criminal, and there need to be some criminal charges all the way up to the top. That's where that needs to go. But we've talked about, uh, the settlement not being fair and just and not representing the value of people's lives in the city of Flint and the, the amount of detail and, and hoops that you must jump through for that kind of documentation. Many uh, people weren't able to get the appropriate documentation, didn't have the resources or the wherewithal to do that. You know, one of the things we talked about, if you're talking about completion, and we're seeing that come up because, like I said, we, an article came out last week talking about lead levels going back up. I said it's not surprising because one of the things that we were asking for from the very beginning was in-home plumbing infrastructure, you know, in-home plumbing, fixtures, appliances, because we know those things had been damaged in many homes. And so when your pipes out front got changed and the water tests better, you still do not have access to clean water. And so we know we have 2,500 homes with families that, you know, are saying, I still don't have access to clean water. So that was something we had asked for. And I remember the state telling us, well, we're going to give you 12,000 fixtures. Well, that's a start, but we know we have more than 12,000 homes in the city of Flint. But that did not even happen, Tom. What we got was uh, 4,000 the first year. It was supposed to be 4,000 for three years. And we got it for the first year, and then it stopped. And so those are some of the things that would help uh, uh, to make Flint as whole as Flint can, can possibly 
be made. Karen, I hate to yes, sir. I, I, I hate I hate to interrupt, but I have to take mm-hmm. a break here and I want to well, let's f- take a break. Okay, and I want to finish talking about this, but I also want to talk okay. about some of the other things that are on your agenda yes, going forward. I do too. So um, we're gonna let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in and then we'll be back with more. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you are listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in edible arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for edible arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you 
that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we continue our pre-primary election uh, conversation with former Flint Mayor Karen Weaver. Karen, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Sure. Mm -mm. Um, Just before the break, we were talking about uh, where we're at at this point with the Flint water crisis and and what it might look like when we can finally uh hang up a, a banner that says mission accomplished <laughs> um and 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 i have to ask from your perspective and you were there at the very beginning you know on the front line as mayor as the, mm-hmm. the world spotlight was on flint you were the face of flint do you think we're close to the end of it, um, or, or as Winston Churchill once said, are we at the end of the beginning? Wow, that's a good question. I don't know that we're at the end. I wish we were. Uh, we we're, we could be closer. We could be closer, and I wish we were closer because, like I said, I think those that pipe replacement should have been completed. Uh, there's no reason that 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 should not be done. Uh, but in the last segment, you mentioned uh, you mentioned houses, and we talked about this right. before, back when you were mayor, and you'd come on the Correct. show, and we were talking about you know pipe replacement and and the service lines, but mm-hmm. but what was going to happen with the pipes in people's homes that um, right. were either lead or had been damaged by lead, um, and. I, I, I'm I'm still not clear. It sounds like some people think that, you know, the the pipes and the appliances are the homeowner's responsibility. And I don't know why that would be when it was the water that damaged them. You know, it wasn't the homeowner's responsibility for that. Uh, the homeowners aren't the ones that did not put the corrosion control in the water. The homeowners are not the ones that did not notify the people. The homeowners were the ones, were the people that were crying out that something is wrong with our water. And if you remember uh, when this started, if you remember when uh, GM said, this water is messing up the parts of our automobiles. Well, it's messing up the in-home infrastructure as well. And so I don't know how that should be the homeowner's uh, responsibility. Now, granted, there are some homeowners that said, you know, I can take care of this, but many people can't, and, and, and it didn't matter if you could or not because, you know, so many were impacted, and it wasn't based on, on uh, how much money you made. It wasn't based on where you lived. It wasn't based on your, your age, your gender, your, you know, any of those things. And so that was why we had been having that conversation 
about uh, this should happen at no cost to the homeowners. That was what we talked about. So that's why, you know, and, and we were promised some of that at the start, and it just never took place. Where would that, um, where would that come from? Where, where are the resources for that? Or is that at the heart of why we need to figure out who's responsible? Well, we know that it was uh, that there were missteps all along the way. We know that uh, the, the state and the federal government played major roles in what happened in the city of Flint. We know that, and that's why we wanted them to be responsible for that. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. But like I said that's a, that that was a conversation we started having at the beginning of the water crisis. We were having it as we were going through it. <laughs> you know, when I wasn't in office, it was a conversation that w- I was still having with, why have these things not taken place? Because, you know, it, we're really trying to reestablish trust. And when you, when you talk about uh, where are we in this, uh, because certain things did not happen, uh, that, that building that trust, reestablishing that trust has been so difficult and for, for many people, for good reason, because words weren't kept, promises weren't kept as far as uh, people are going to be held criminally responsible for this. You know, a big settlement's going to come and, and you will be made as whole as possible financially. Uh, um, we're going to take care of your in-home plumbing. Water pods will be open. I mean, there were just so many things that broke down and did not take place. That's going to be, I believe, the hardest part. Uh, you say, when can we put this banner up and say, that's going to be the most difficult part is reestablishing trust in the city of Flint, I believe. Well, that's going to be an important part of it. Um, as, as you go forward, and very likely you're going to be one of the two people who face mm-hmm. off in November for this uh, mayoral election, Okay. What are the things that you are going to want to talk about? And, and, you know, do you have these other issues or are you yes. running a risk <laughs> yes. of, of being called a one-issue candidate? <laughs> uh, you know what? No, not at all, because I'm not a one-issue person. Uh, because, you know, I started off talking about crime. Uh, when I got into office, Flint was always in the top five most violent cities, top four. You know, I mean, between Flint. Uh, Detroit. It, when I got there, it was St. Louis, Chicago. I mean, we just rotated like we were playing musical chairs as to who was number one, but we were always in the top. And uh, we had a plan in place. You know, we, we, we had a plan in place to address, uh, you know, crime. And, and you can't just say, well, crime is high everywhere because we know crime has gone up in other places. But the thing is, uh, people are leaving Flint. And they're leaving uh, to go places that really aren't that far away because they're safer there. You know, people are leaving and they're going to places like Grand Blank. They're going to Flint Township. They're going to Davison, uh, Swartz Creek, Mount Morris. And, and these are just a few miles outside of Flint because uh, crime, as far as uh, gun violence, is not the same there. And so that's something that we have to work on. So I want to go in with a plan. Like I said, we had one before and we need one again. And it wasn't easy to get get out of the top uh, 25, but we were able to do it. And, you know, one of the things is we know we need more officers, but we need to pay the ones. We need to keep our word. 
to the ones that are there if we want to keep and we want to recruit. We know community policing is something that has been proven to work. Uh, we had it before. It's a wheel that you don't need to reinvent. We need to go back to community policing. I think we need to kind of do a better job utilizing technology. When I was there, uh, Chief Johnson put the Intel Center together. And, and, and think about this. We didn't have that, that ARPA money there to do this. This was done uh, through, through donations. This was done through him going out and talking about what was going on in Flint. But we've got to utilize technology. That Intel Center should not have been dismantled. It should have been built on and enhanced. I mean, we could be using drones. You know, those are, are, are very effective. Uh, those, those cameras, the pictures that they take, they're more affordable, they're safer. And another thing we need to be talking about when we talk about public safety is lighting up this city. Lighting up this city. You know, you go to sleep. I've talked to people where they said, well, last night when I went to bed, that, that had not been dumped right there. I wake up uh, and, and, and it's been dumped. Uh, there are streets that you can walk down and it looks like you're out in the country because it is so dark. And this is a city. And so one of the things we need to do is light up the city. We've got to get our community more involved, you know, and, and, and working and supporting our black clubs. So we, we have to look at a sustainable, you know, way to sustain our city. And so public safety is something that we must address. Well, we you know, to. I remember, um, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> kind of old, Karen. So mm -hmm. I remember way back when when community policing was kind of a new thing, and and right. it was it was you know sort of created and identified and described and as to how it would work, and you know I I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because it means boots on the ground, and when community exactly. policing is working at its best, you have. Um, a, a whole force of city ambassadors that get to know right. the people in neighborhoods and and serve as a go between you know between the city and the residents and 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 there's there's a sense of working together to make things work well in the neighborhood and then you mentioned technology and a lot of people are thinking we can replace boots on the ground with technology no we what can't. is the we ratio support you know, I think I, I would love to have, I would really love to have about 150 officers, but I think uh, technology supports uh, boots on the ground because it can, it can let you know something You're like, oh, you know, because we're watching and you can see something uh, and, and say, got to get over there now. Uh, technology supports, it enhances, and that's how we have to look at this. You know, I mean, if I have a tool belt and all I have is a screwdriver, I can only do, I can only fix things that require a screwdriver. But what if I need a wrench or a hammer or something else? And so that's how we have to look at this. Uh, there are many things that go into public safety. So, yes, we want boots on the ground. We want community policing. We want to use technology uh, and, and enhance what has been there. But there are other things as well. I mean, uh, addressing blight. That, that has to be a priority because you know that goes hand in hand with crime. Giving people uh, things to do. You know, uh, when, we, when, when we were there, uh, we had uh, Sean Crowdy, and I, I always forget Sean's title, but it was doing uh, recreation and activities with young people because we wanted to make sure young people 
had positive things to do. And so you had, we brought back uh, baseball. You know, that was going on. We had gotten uh, money to do baseball and bring that back. They were doing the Flint City basketball. They were doing hockey. Uh, we were looking at soccer. We were doing this Get Fit Flint on Friday with people. But it brought kids together. And so instead of fighting, they could become friends. They were making relationships. Their parents were, were, were getting to know each other and, and working together. And we were able to give the community information. And so that's part of you know, having a safe city is giving young people things to do that are positive. So it's not just, a okay, we're going to do this and that's going to take care of it because it's not. I mean, we need to talk about economic development. That's something, uh, you know, when you talk about what are some of the things I want to work on. It's economic development. That's a plan. Uh, and, and, of course, you, you know, you have to deal with crime because nobody wants to come to a high-crime city to invest in. Uh, you have to deal with the blight. But it's more than just tearing down houses. We have to develop new affordable-cost single-family housing because some people want apartments. Some people want to have a home to raise their, their family, you know, to raise their kids in. And we have a, an abundance, you know, I mean, just so much land available for development. You know, we've got state brownfields bills that we can leverage to find partners to build housing. Because, you know, if you think about it, nobody wants to live in a city that they can't afford to live decently in. And I want to bring economic development back to City Hall. You know, like I said, that was the first time we've had it in City Hall with our own staff. It was a department in 14 years. That's important because we love we love a thriving downtown. A city needs a thriving downtown. But we've got to support small business, entrepreneurship, and be focused on, you know, all of Flint as well. And so bringing economic development back to the city, I, I believe, is very, very important. You don't see many successful cities that don't have an economic development department. So we have, and you know, we've got to grow our tax base. We've got to grow our tax base. So we need tax incentives. We need to use those tax incentives. Let me say that again. We need to use those tax incentives wisely with the guiding principle, you know, being that they've got to create a win for Flint and the business partners. And, I, and I'll tell you what else I think around economic development, Tom. I think being a better partner with our school system. I was just going to bring that up, Karen, and I'm glad that you did because... I think that we can do to be supportive. Recently, the, the Flint Community Schools, the, the Board of Education, has started to look more like a, a Flint City Council meeting. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I'm wondering if... If there isn't something a mayor can do for both of those bodies to encourage people to work together better, because we have to. you're right, you can't do economic development with, you know, a huge percentage of, of housing in, in a city that's blighted. Right. You, you can't... Um, you can't do economic development in a city that has a very high rate of, of uh, violent crime, especially gun crime. And if there's not a good educational system, people are going to just keep driving. Right. They're not going to invest. But, you know, if, I'm, if I have a family 
I want to go someplace where there's a good education system in place. Yeah, and if you get businesses in, if they can't get, if, if they can't attract good workers, mm-hmm. y- you know, it's it's not going to be as successful. At least it seems like that to me. And, no, and I agree with you. I agree with you because both things go hand in hand. Uh, you know, uh, a successful, thriving communities have successful. Uh, you know, a great education system in place. And that's one of the things that attracts people to uh, your your city, to your community, is you have to have a good education system in place. And so that's why I said, you know, we have to work together to say, okay, what is it? Your, what are your goals? How can we support what it is you're doing? What can we do to be a good partner? Like I said, while they are their own governing body, it doesn't mean that we can't come together and say, how do we support you? Because uh, our success is dependent on their success as well. You know, the, the two are connected. You cannot separate them. And so I think we have to be good partners uh, with the school board. And, and then, you, you know, you talked about city council. And, and you know, I've... I've oh, I've worked with council before, and we had some challenging times, you know, but we had some good times as well. You know, I remember uh, going into, I remember. You know, but unfortunately, Karen, the good times, the good times aren't the the times that are getting hits, uh, getting lots of hits on YouTube. We had some good times. (laughs) (laughs) We had our challenges. But that's not what's getting hit. And, 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 and that is uh, sad because it doesn't help the city when you see negative things going on. That will keep people away. That gives people, a, you know, when they hear Flint, uh, they have, you know, their perception. They, and it's a bad one. And that does not help us. It doesn't help us. And I've heard a lot of people say I'm tired of uh, people talking about us and viewing us in a negative light. And I do feel, I'm just going to be honest, I do feel like uh, uh, when I was in office and our group and our administration was there, uh, with everything that was going on, I felt like Flint was, was starting to get the respect that we deserved. Because you think about it, we were a community that people used to look to. I mean, we were, uh, uh, when you looked at our, our, our income per capita, we were right there at the top. When you looked at our school system, we were right there at the top. And people were coming from around the country to say, oh, what are they doing with their community school system? Because it was great, and they wanted to copy and emulate what was going on in Flint. And so now, uh, you know, we don't have that. And that, that keeps uh, families from staying here because they get tired of it. It, it, gets, it keeps people from moving here because of that reputation. And that needs to be it needs to be addressed. It keeps people uh, from wanting to develop. You know, we talk about uh, uh, how do you bring money, how do you increase your tax base. Those are things that will keep investors from coming into the city of Flint. And so we, we have to do something. You know, I, I, what I do believe is that, at least I hope, is that whether you're on council, uh, we can say the school board as well, uh, but some of these are more specific to council. I mean, we all deserve a safe city, whether we like each other or not. You know, if you don't like your neighbor, I bet you both want to be in a community that's safe. If, if, if you don't like the person around the block, you want your neighborhood to be clean. There are certain things. You want economic opportunities for job creation. Those are things that we should be able to agree, agree on and put our personal business on the back burner and say, how do we achieve these goals? And that's what we ought to be looking at. 
You know, it's 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 interesting. There's a an organization called Patriotic Millionaires. Okay. And I interviewed the president of that group, and this started out as a group that wrote a letter to Barack Obama that said, tax us more. Okay. And <laughs> I, I was talking to the, the president of the organization, and I said, why is it that rich people, you know, always seem, you know, so greedy? They, they don't want to see other people doing well. And mm -hmm. he said, well, you know, he said, I'm greedy, too. I don't want to live in a city that doesn't have good roads or good schools. Mm -hmm, or, exactly. And, and, you know, it was, it was an interesting take on that. And that's one of the things when you say, you know, even if you don't like each other or you don't relate to each other or you don't uh, dance to the same music or, or right. whatever, it's, it's still important to have that respect. Right. Exactly. That, and that, and that's, uh, some of that seems to be lacking. And we've got to go back to that. It's, it's so important to just have a mutual respect because we're going to have differences of opinions. We're going to disagree. But I just believe, I, I, I can't believe that I'm going to go and talk to somebody and they're going to say, I don't want to be safe. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. I just, I just, I, I like, I, you know, I like uh, dumping next door to me. I mean, I just don't believe you will find that. I, you know, I don't want to have an opportunity for a job that's going to pay me so I can take care of my family. I just don't believe that people will say that. And that's how we have to start looking at things. You know, because I, I just believe those are things that, okay, maybe I, I'd say 100%, but let's go with 95 <laughs> <laughs> Let's aim high. I think 95% of people would say, yes, I want to live in a safe community. Yes, I want to live in a clean community. You know, I, I mean, people take pride in their homes, and, and we need to go back to those kinds of things because that's what, I mean, that's what, what we all uh, deserve to have. Well, and, Karen, and I that. And, yeah. as is always the case, um, the time when I get to talk to you goes by so fast. We got about two, it does. We got about two minutes left. And okay. I want to make sure and, and give you an opportunity to make, uh, you know, uh, just a, a few closing thoughts and, and also maybe let people know how they can reach out to you and get maybe involved in your, in your campaign or see what you're up to. You know, what? well, first, let me just say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to come here. I was, I, was, I was looking forward to it. I will just be honest with you. I was looking forward to coming on. And I'm going to say that, you know what, uh, I, made, I made promises. I made promises, and I kept promises. I did that uh, when I was in office. But I, I, I would start by asking people, you know, you know who said this? Are we better off today than we were in 2019? He didn't use those things, but I want to go to what, what Ronald Reagan said. You know, so I made promises. I kept them. I declared the emergency. I brought the Fast Start program, reduced crime, you know, reopened a fire station, brought back economic development, hired the first chief public health advisor. I mean, we laid a, bit, a good foundation for our city, but I believe, I feel like we've gotten off track. Now, I'm, I'll just be honest, we, and I, we need a leader. And we need a voice and a fighter for Flint, especially in these challenging times that we're, that we're facing. 
And I believe that my record shows that I was a leader and a fighter and a voice for the city. And while we still have work to do, <laughs> I want you to know that I'm up to the challenge and I look forward to returning to City Hall and being a champion for this great city because I believe uh, we deserve better. My office, I'll tell you my office, is on Court Street. It's 310 uh, East Court Street. And uh, I would love for people to, you know, come by there. You know, stop, stop in. I would... Well, Karen, that's the perfect spot to end on, and thank you so much. I'm asking for your vote. How about that? Let me say that. (laughs) There you go. I'm asking for people's support and vote. Thank you for having me. Got that in just in a nick of time. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck to you, Karen, and thanks again. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball, or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. 
A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away, we're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. A master of Native American humor is Brooks Hayes of Arkansas, special assistant to the president and former representative in Congress. Here is Mr. Hayes before the Pennsylvania Political Science and Public Administration Association. I always feel at home with the teachers of government, although I'm not an expert in this field. I am a practitioner. I'm not afraid of experts. I um, was sitting by uh, a couple in Washington at a dinner party one night when the man who had just met the lady said to her, and you're Mrs. Post? And she said, yes. Mrs. Emily Post? And she said, yes. Well, Mrs. Post, you're eating my salad. (laughs) And uh, 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 my father was uh, himself a country school teacher. And in this connection, I think you'd be interested in what happened when he took the census in 1900. uh, Asked an old man standing in front of his cabin in this uh, frontier country. Uh, his name. He said, I'm the enumerator, sir, and I need some information. What is your name? He said, Hearn, Randall J. Hearn. Father said, how do you spell it? Spell it yourself, stranger. I'm a (laughs) non-scholar. So, uh, uh, this, um, uh, this character, Randall J. Hearn, is not a fictional character. He is not legendary, as some members of Congress believe, because sometimes I would quote him in the Foreign Affairs Committee, and occasionally my chairman, Mr. Richards of South Carolina, would turn to me and say, what would Randall Hearn's opinion be on this proposition? And I knew he meant by that, what would... uh, what would the man at the grassroots think? What uh, would the non-scholar have to say about this problem? One of my Republican friends complained over the method adopted by the Democrats in a certain reapportioning problem, and uh, he was rather violent about it. He said, you Democrats are just not fair. Well, I said, looking at some of the things the Republicans do, I would say, you remind me of the country boys playing cards down in Arkansas. He looked over at his friend. He said, play it. He said, play the cards fair, Reuben. I know what I dealt you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and 
sometimes it is possible for a politician to extricate himself from political pressures, as uh, Claude Swanson said with his famous five rules, uh, the first rule being, when in doubt, do right. You might be interested, incidentally, in those other four rules. I believe I can recall them. He said, uh, first, never buy your ticket till you hear the train whistle. Uh, second, always be strong for something nobody can be against. Uh, then the third one I've indicated. Fourth, never use one word if five will do. Finally, always stick to your party. If the storm comes and uh, the vessel threatens to sink, move the ballast and try to save her. But if she sinks, follow the rats. (laughs) (laughs) I rejoice in the trend these days, seeing an academician often leave his cloisters to enter the political arena. That's good. And uh, I think of some very notable careers that have come out of that response that you uh, sometimes make to the, the lure that is always present. But the little lady in England was asked, you know, who did you vote for? And she said, vote? Oh, I never vote. It only encourages them. <laughs> Because you believe in, uh, in precision and in uh, a scientific evaluation of party positions, you do not agree with the little lady who said when she was asked about the difference between the Tories and the liberals, oh, she said the only difference is that the Tories think they're better born and the liberals just know they're born better. <laughs> And I think the book could be written on what the sweet little ladies in England say about politics, uh, or even in uh, in Arkansas, because you may have heard the story of uh, the little lady who was voting for the first time when women were given suffrage, and she rode to the polls with her son, who could see she was quite agitated over the prospect of participating in this great experiment in government, government by consent of the governed, and that she went in to vote that attitude of eagerness and anticipation was registered on her countenance, but when she came out and got in the car, it was obvious that she was disappointed, and she was very solemn and grave, and as uh, they went home, he said, Mother, who did you vote for? She said, Son, I'll tell you. I looked at the ballot, and there were the names of such good men listed for these offices, such good men, um, such uh, fine, noble people. I just didn't have it in my heart to vote against any of them. I just wrote at the bottom of the ballot, God bless you all. (laughs) This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Like a wheel within a wheel 
never ending or beginning on a never spinning reel like a snowball down a mountain or a carnival balloon like a carousel is turning and running rings around the moon like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of space and the world is like an abhorling silently in space like the circles that you Like a tunnel let you follow to a tunnel of its own Down a hollow to a cavern where the sun has never shone Like a door that keeps revolving in a half-forgotten dream All the ripples from a devil someone tosses in a stream And like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face And the world is like an ever-whirling That you find in the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket Words that jangle in your head Why does summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore And leave their footprints in the sand Is the sound of distant drumming Just the fingers of your hand And pictures hanging in a Remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong And when you knew that it was over You were suddenly aware That the organ leaves were turning To the colors of his hair Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning reel As the images of Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind. Of our song, 
a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning reel As the images unwind Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 